Welcome to Phoenix Rising Interventions, hosted by Aaron and Anthony Sparzo, founders of Phoenix Rising Interventions. This show delves into the world of interventions for substance abuse and mental health. Whether you're personally suffering from addiction or mental health issues, or if you're concerned about a family member or friend, Phoenix Rising is here to support you. Aaron and Anthony's life work is to empower, educate, and inspire, paving the way to healing and recovery. So we're just going to start essentially with what an intervention looks like. We are, just pretend we don't know, which we halfway do, Sure. but with an intervention, like starting an intervention with, with you guys, Phoenix Rising Interventions, like what does that look like generally? You know, obviously it, it starts with... A phone call. A phone call. <laughs> it's, it's the initial consultation. Uh, for me, I'm the one that usually takes it, you know, nine out of 10 times, unless it's somebody connected to her. Um, so what I, what I try to do is I try one, I try to put them in a comfort zone, you know, give them some feedback right away that, okay, we're going to get through this. You know, you're going to get all the answers you're looking for. There's not a time session. Usually it's 45 minutes to an hour. I've seen it run over, you know, I've been on the phone with people for two hours. We want to get as much collateral information as possible about the loved one that they're calling it about, you know, the family dynamics, the environment, what it is exactly that they're looking for. We try to explain our services while we're going through this initial phone call. And the first call has a lot of education and a lot of education. holding space for yeah. them to yeah. express their fears mm-hmm. and tell their story yeah. and ask any question. Once they've given me enough information, I start to start to guess at things and I'm usually right on the mark. Mm-hmm. Like, is he exhibiting this or is she doing this? and boom, boom, boom. And they're like, exactly. So they start to feel confident that, yes, this is somebody that actually knows what he's talking about. Let us talk to, I'm going to talk to my husband or I'm going to talk to my wife and I'm going to get back to you. Is there a time? And uh, we'll set up a time for, uh, you know, usually four of us, it'll be husband, wife or whatever the case may be. And me and Aaron, and then I'll get with Aaron, let her know what's going on. And then she'll immediately the wheels start turning in her head <laughs> and she's, you know, okay, how are we going to go about this? Cause I'll give her now the collateral information. And then we go into the second phone call, which is the very first initial phone call mm-hmm. off after consultation about, is this going to take place? And with that, here's my lovely partner. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say also I'll pick it up. So second phone call, I think the second phone call is, a, you know, kind of a decision point Mm -hmm. where where if they're calling us back and they've decided that they want to move forward with us as their interventionist um there's some just business we have to take care of right so we talk about contract um we schedule our first intervention meeting Mm -hmm. which will include anybody that that will be participating in the intervention um I go to the next level of collateral information, you know, including the mental health components and uh, just, you know, getting any information we can from them, not just to place appropriately, but to decide whether or not we're the right fit. Mm -hmm. There are interventions that have come through and pretty quickly we know it's, we're not the right fit for that family because perhaps the family wants to run the intervention. Right. 
And we know that that doesn't go well. Not that we don't collaborate with families, but if you, you know, are hiring somebody as an expert and you're unwilling to even hear the hear that interventionist speak in the second call, we're we know how that plays out, and right. we don't want to waste anybody's money and anybody's time. So it's the second call. We're also kind of deciding if we feel good about providing the service. If a family is listening to this right now mm-hmm. and they're thinking about hiring an interventionist, yeah. maybe it could be helpful for them to know like do's and don'ts kind what, of thing. What what should I let go of when I hire mm-hmm. interventionists, you know? You know, I think that if you're at the point of calling for help, it's because you've tried everything that you know. You're at the end of your scope of practice and it hasn't worked. And so um There is a surrender there, which I know and understand could be very scary, right? Because this is your child. And we're never going to tell anybody what to do. We always talk, you know, say we we will only make suggestions, right? But what it can look like is what it has looked like in the second call. We have a parent who's already vetted out every facility and is angry that the psychiatrist hasn't gotten back to them yet in two days, and they are questioning their um, ev- every um, the professional the it, system the system yeah. every yeah. every step of the way they are already saying that they're doing it wrong mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. we've even hit an interview. They're the expert, yeah, right, right. And so they're not ready, just like the client isn't ready. And quite frankly really quickly there, I can assess what the client's going through because that's the experience they have in their family unit, their dynamic. Yeah. And so that's right. You know, there's a whole bunch of family systems work already showing. Wow. It's just real quick. You can feel whatever you're feeling in interacting with somebody is also what the loved one is feeling and experiencing. And, and, and on, you know, to add, add to that, I actually did an intervention. The behavior was like that coming out of the father, but an hour, maybe an hour and a half into the intervention, which was, you know, there was a semi-invite, you know, um, on the mom's part. She was incredible, but dad starts cracking beers during the intervention process. (laughs) And he's one of those, you know, the chest comes out, you know, my house, my rules. And I'm like, Oh, well, you know, (laughs) know where this kid's coming from. Yeah. yeah, This this kid was beautiful. He was 23 years old. He was totally respectful. He was totally itching and And apologetic. He was was apologetic for his father. Wow. You know, and then in his own intervention, in his intervention. Yeah. And he was really a real clear picture. Yeah. (laughs) He was really open to receiving the help, but, the father intercepted so many, he put up so many obstacles and roadblocks and for my money, I'm going to say this, this, and this. And if, at some point I just, I said, time out. This is, this is getting worse. This is progressing a problem. And uh, I got with the mom and I got with the son and I said, this is what I can do. You know, we can finish this up between the three as three of us if you want it. Unfortunately, you know, the kid never called, you know, the, the kid never called back. The mom, you know, dealt with me a couple of times. Um, and then we fell out of, you know, but it, it wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And it was getting You're gonna worse. going to cause more harm you know than I mean? good. I right. was, I was mm-hmm. being, I was being pushed back by an alcoholic yeah. in regards to taking care of his son. And I just, I didn't want to affect, you know, the, the mom was, the, the wife was starting to really, she was really starting to regress. Mm-hmm. You could tell that, you know, and there's all kinds of situation mm-hmm. there. So It sounds like while they're vetting you, you're vetting them, but it also sounds like kind of an awesome opportunity to springboard into the family work that you guys do. 
Yes. Well, at least in my head, I'm, yeah. my assessment starts mm-hmm. as soon as I get on that phone from a mental health and family systems perspective, right? Yeah. We're getting data about use and history, but often that data is, isn't even accurate. You know, yeah. no, we'll that's get, what I was yeah, we'll yeah. get data around, oh, they drink a little, smoke some weed and we've arrived and they're in a full psychosis, you know, and right. it's, it's a, it's a serious situation. So it, it is a matter of asking a lot of questions in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. and, and then knowing we're still going to be surprised, most likely. Yeah. Um, and multiple perspectives of mm-hmm. the perceived problem mm-hmm. kind of thing. And that's that will be family members, you know. We, we can even figure that out and maybe the first, phone, you know, the second phone call. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, who's going to be a problem, right. you know. And yeah, we somebody, start assessing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if the dad's the problem, like in that case, um, but dad wants, you know, dad's paying for it. Mm-hmm. Dad's going to be there. Then we have to really start, you know, educating him. If you're going to be there, if you're going to insist on this, then this is what has to happen. There are certain things that are are deal breakers. Yeah. And for us, the priority is that it's that our interventions are are zero shame, zero blame, love filled, grace filled, you know, future future looking forward into the future, you know. And if so, so that can. It, put anybody off or it could be very encouraging to them. Right. Um, but we're not going to change how we show up as clinicians and interventionists to mold to a family, the system that is already broken. So, right. uh, or damaged or whatever diseased. But at that point it is, it does just become business. We, if there's an agreed upon, we're moving forward, then we, we let them know that we're going to send them a contract, let them review the contract. It's very important to have a contract so true. that they understand um, our liability and that we are insured and, um, what exactly they can expect and what we expect mm-hmm. and that the signatures are all there. All of our signatures are there so that everybody is safe. Everything is about safety and professionalism. So right. mm-hmm. we get off the phone, we schedule a call, we schedule a, a meeting and we get off the phone, send a contract, handle that. And then we move on to our first family meeting. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in the contract, um, just from being with you guys for the past couple of days, the services that they agree upon is that just the the intervention or the four days or does that vary kind of what you guys agree upon as like as far as services go um just curious about that what would that look like for you guys well erin erin has uh taken a lot of time and she's continued to develop our contract Mm -hmm. which probably started off at about a page and a half and our contracts are about three and a half pages now. Very, very detailed. Uh, it includes everything. Mm-hmm. It includes exactly what we're going to do right down to what a transportation fee looks like. It includes the case management. It's, it's The language is all there. What case management looks like up to three yeah. hours a week, up to this uh, case liaison, which mm-hmm. she's going to be doing. And she's in charge of doing case liaison because she is the therapist. Uh, she does have that co-occurring understanding much better than I, and she's able to do the liaison work with the treatment facility, so they're going to know about that. They're also going to know that that is our position. This is what you're getting when you hire us, right. so we're giving you this chance while we're working with you, while your loved one is in treatment. It's all there. It's safe for them. So they know what they can expect every step of the way with us, and what's expected of us 
And then what's expected of them? And every one of our interventions includes, so everything, an intervention contract will always include the intervention itself, Mm -hmm. as well as 30 days of case management. So that is whether or not their loved one is ready to commit to treatment. Mm -hmm. So if they're, if they have moved into treatment, then, then of course we just do the ongoing case management with their loved one. And that is helpful you know, helping them hold the boundaries, navigate through, start their own healing process. Um, It ends up being very therapeutic, you know, in one-on-ones and things like that. If their loved one has not decided to enter into treatment, we still do the 30 days because that 30 days of us being available to them is what's going to make or break likely their loved one coming into treatment because if we can change the behavior and the patterns in the family Mm -hmm. that's where all the power is Mm -hmm. and if if there's the incentive you know to Mm -hmm. do so so they every contract has the intervention information the um, case management information at very clear pricing because you never money's weird right yeah never want to we always want money to be clear and transparent and that there's a period at the end of it nothing is left open yeah and it's just super important yeah Yeah. no i'm glad you guys said that Mm -hmm. and i think the question that kind of prompted that is because in my experience i've been a part of an intervention. I've had an intervention done on myself. I've Mm -hmm. done interventions on other people. And it's just like unknown. It kind of has this like mysterious. Mm -hmm. We don't know a, how it's going to go. B and this is all my projection or my experience. I don't know if it's your guys's, but I guess my question is like, how do you settle kind of that mysterious unknown? We don't know how this is going to go. Are they going to say yes? Are they going to get help? Like, does that show up a lot for you guys, and oh, how do yeah. you deal with that? Well, it it absolutely shows up, but it's also included in the contract. Right. Well, you know even I mean? beyond the contract, as we move into that first session, Together? the first family session, okay. yeah, that's where all those yeah. fears come up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we, mm-hmm. we, have to, we have to squash those fears right. um, with care and love and let them know that we're not going away. We've talked about an intervention, many interventions that – do not wrap up in four days. This is where we're we're really good. Frankly, we're experts at switching gears. Mm-hmm. You and have to be. You have to be, absolutely. And we really want the families to know is, you know, if it doesn't happen now, this is what we're going to do moving forward. We're not leaving your side. You know? I love that. No and matter we what. promise to come back. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then we really start setting them up with, mm-hmm how this intervention is going to play out. We could be settling on, you know, the Johnson model or the love first model. And then we might end up with a family systemic model, which is so much different. And I've actually seen where interventionists get this mixed up. Now, family system, correct me, you know, (laughs) is a lengthy process. Oh yeah. It's an ongoing, ongoing Mm -hmm. treatment of the family where the loved one is invited but this is this is a big deal because it, go, it can go on for a year. We set up that first family session where we bring everyone in, and it's very much about education mm-hmm. and and addressing all of these fears. Right. So we're talking about different approaches. Yeah. Um, we're educating on codependency. We're educating on the disease model. Where it's a lot of uh, you know regulating. And educating. Yeah, I like that. And so that the family can settle in and follow our lead. As soon as the contract is signed, we're in the background. We're already on the phone. Mm-hmm. We're on the phone um, 
looking at availability and placement and doing research to find the most appropriate place based on the information we have at that time. So based on mental health, based on chemical dependency, um, gender, uh, sexual orientation, you know, age, yeah. All of it. Eating you have disorders. to think, yeah, eating disorder, whether it's just a, a, a behavioral, like you have to, so we're right away with what we get from just that second call. We're doing a bunch of work on the back end, kind of feeling out the, the treatment facilities mm-hmm. to see who's got some availability, you know, what's it looking like? Do they think it's a good fit? Mm-hmm. You know, so, and because we want to come to the family by the, the second family session with three proposed treatment facilities nice. and why we think they're the top three yeah, and their price points. Mm-hmm. And um, then the family ultimately decides. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So the only th- other thing in that first session is, is prompting, um, a- a teaching the family how to write lo- loving letters, mm-hmm. right. And, and boundaried letters. And we give them the first kind of outline of, of what the intervention will look like at a high level. And, but we want to send them off with that assignment so that by the second family session, we can review those and really talk about, you know, safety. You know, uh, what, what are we going to do if, you know, Johnny runs into the bathroom? Well, let's make sure there's no razor blades in there and there's no guns. And, and how, where is everyone parking? And, you know, yeah. all of the logistics really yeah. get nailed down in that second meeting. Yeah, absolutely. Anything is possible. And you have to be prepared mm-hmm. for anything mm-hmm. is possible. Yeah. You know, always. And it does always happen. Mm-hmm. We have been in situations where the plan was to face to face. You were mm-hmm. going to enter in and fa- go face to face, and then learn that the client was loaded and in his home with weapons. Yeah. And so we made the decision yeah. that it wasn't worth, you know, the risking. Risk. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't yeah. worth the risk. Mm-hmm. And so we were going to have to. We had to figure out how we were going to do it differently and and regroup. Mm-hmm. And. And that's why, you know, like we really do talk about this unscripted thing. Like there is this linear ideal process of, and then we have the second meeting and then we do this and then we do this and then this is how it all plays out. And we talk about transportation, but. And they go to treatment. And yeah, yeah, but there's all this, all these uh, uncontrollable dynamics, Mm -hmm. you know, there's hurt and anger and activation happening in Mm -hmm. the family that that really could take an hour can go just me helping untangle a family dynamic you know um and so you just have to that's why for us it's so important that um that we're very passionate about whoever is doing this work values safety and education having a board that you're accountable to as a, as a licensed marriage family therapist, I'm accountable to the board of behavioral sciences as CIP. We're accountable to Pennsylvania state board, Pennsylvania state board. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not that, you know, being accountable to a board, it, (laughs) what matters is that, that there is a place for people to say, Hey, they're doing unsafe practices and that there's, there's a a controlling board and they require continued education. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's continuing to grow the professionals in the field and keeping people safe. You know, what is success for you guys when it comes to an intervention? Mm -hmm. Like it's an important thing for a family to know, not to get discouraged if, it's not a one day like Mm -hmm. easy process with tears and letters and then Mm -hmm. a yes to treatment. Yeah. Right. So what does that look like for you guys? How would you define success? I just, I know that 
for us, for me specifically, it changed when we worked with a family. I mentioned earlier, they had reported beautiful family and they reported that their son was, you know, smoking some weed and, you know, and when we got there immediately, I mean, he was in a full psychosis. Absolutely. And, you know, could not very tangential all over the place, dangerous to himself, to them. Um, in that case, initially, the initial success was that we were able to extract him from the home. Mm-hmm. And, and so we provided immediate safety for the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was level one of success. And we had to walk away from that day saying that was success. Mm-hmm. And, and now they're changing their locks and we're going to, then we can move on to the next phase of that. And the next phase of that lasted another six months while we did case management with them and supported them. And then ultimately mm-hmm. we forced the bottom up mm-hmm. by yeah. supporting them. And we were and that, that support. And then he did go in. <clears throat> awesome. Yeah. 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 And he, you know, to finish that with Aaron is, you know, he went in for 60 and stayed for nine months. Wow. So it really caught fire, which was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. We've talked to the family, you know, we've, we've seen them a couple of times over the last year. And, uh, you know, there's still success. It's not perfect. He's alive. But he's and alive he's, and, yeah. he's, and he's thriving. He's got a chance. You yeah. know? Yeah. And like we had talked about, I told you guys before, is that's how we go with interventions. And there's a sense of how cool is this, that we get to do something that's going to support and give them hope. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? And so their success, right? Like yeah. if we, if, if a family feels like you can kind of see Safe. a family go, <sighs> okay, oh, yeah. they got they got us. Yeah. We're not alone. There's some success. Oh yeah, yeah. If we can change the family dynamic and the the loved one leaves treatment and is still using, that's success. Yeah, because they now know how to create a healthy, boundaryed, loving right. platform that their loved one can enter back into should they choose to. Placement mm-hmm. is success. You know, like anything that is breaking the 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 current dysfunction, you know, any interruption. And we talk about, when you talk about the interventions, these, you know, the, the, the shows that show you, and they're limited. They can't show everything in the whole process. But, um, you know, we the, the entire process from the moment you get on the phone with them until, you know, the last day that you speak to them, if there is a last day, we are intervening. Yeah. We're intervening mm-hmm. in court. We're intervening during ongoing case management. You know, after treatment, we're intervening during treatment. We're advocating and collaborating. For, we're av- advocating for continued treatment. Yeah. yeah, like if it was it's initially, all an intervention. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like and that. if it was if it was initially thirty days, we want to see them go further, especially if the finance is there, the insurance is good. Mm-hmm. And um, I think something really important to think about is even in the first stages of the intervention they are all suffering some form of PTSD. Oh, yeah. yeah. The entire family. Right. So while the intervention is going on, they're actually getting therapy from Aaron. Mm-hmm. They're actually experiencing therapy right there. Right. You know, it may not look like it. may not look like they're sitting in her office. No, they're in the comfort of their home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I'm out there trying to hook up with their loved one, she's right there doing the therapy mm-hmm. and, you know, giving them hope and also tending to their wounds. Yeah. So the word intervention <laughs> is so broad, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. what's going on. And there's so much going on. And that's, again, why we say, you know, you get the two people. I would never do an intervention again. 
right. on my own. Never. Yeah. You know, not saying that those 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 people out there that can't, because I know some brilliant solo interventionists and they're incredible what they do. I myself couldn't do one again on my own. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't want to. What we feel is important and what we really value is the entire family system. We we know that the entire every person that has been affected by the mental health or the substance use that every single person needs to be addressed and seen and supported and you know um they're all part of it yeah and so because because that is our philosophy there has to be two of us otherwise there's just not enough for one person can't do all of that you know yeah and it's something that we've we've talked about a lot like working with you guys is this idea that when someone is in active addiction, it's not just them that needs the support. Right. I think what happens is a family has one member who's addicted and mm-hmm. all the attention goes mm-hmm. to that one They're person. They're the identified right. patient. Exactly. Yeah. Because I think, and I could be wrong, that like sometimes families are like, well, I'm not the, the problem, right? No, we're not the problem. Timmy's the problem. I think when we do an intervention, I think that most interventions would agree, interventionists would agree, that the intervention is for the entire family unit with the spotlight, you know, or the emphasis on, you know, the one that's truly suffering. Just the acute, the acute urgency is on the one that needs, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what I would, you know, say. And then Aaron will surely add on to that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So yeah, I don't, you know, problem isn't whatever we, it's just semantics, but um, we co-create. (laughs) <laughs> as we sit in this room, we co-create. When we drive down the street, we co-create. It's a it's an interaction always between human beings. So, um, yeah, it is easy and always easier to look at what is outside of ourselves that is the loudest, you know, most obvious, shiny object, and that if that were just fixed, then everything would be okay. Right. But if you aren't in this field or, you know, doing personal development, I don't really think you have context to always be super introspective Mm -hmm. and sit in a seat of observation and look at the entire, you know, the broader picture and see that, that intentionally or unintentionally, there is some dynamic. Nobody does anything for no reason. Truth. Right. (laughs) Nobody. And so, there's a reason somebody's medicating. There's it, there whatever they're using is medication to feel better because of something they're experiencing. It doesn't mean that somebody else did something to them or the parents did anything wrong or the husband or wife did anything wrong. But there's always going to be an interplay. Yeah. Right. So whether that is um, a codependent thread of of all my attention is now going to go on you so that I can make you well so that I can be well becoming aware of that behavior and then redirecting a member of the family to refocus their energy on themselves, that in and of itself can take pressure off of the identified, you know, patient um, to not be responsible for their loved one's happiness and well-being. And a lot of the guilt and shame can fall off and then they can do their work. That's just one example of an interplay mm-hmm. that can happen. I mean, obviously we've seen, you know, abusive situations or very judgmental shaming situations or control, all attachment-based stuff, either too much or too little. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I think if I could just say that there's always 
there's always a co-creation and a dynamic and it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong but then how can you re how can you look at your part in the world and just make it healthier so the entire system can be healthier mm-hmm. you know and yeah. everybody i think really needs help in holding mm-hmm. boundaries yeah. and we are coming from a non unbiased place We're not activated in our limbic brains like everyone in the family is. And they, there's, it's all fight and flight. Yeah. So if they could hear that, we understand that we've Mm -hmm. both personally been there in our family systems, but we can come and, and show them other options because we, we don't, we're not in fear. Yeah. We can hold that that space for them. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that was maybe one of my questions too, was like, how do you guys kind of hold that space of the chaos and kind of everything we just spoke to? Like what's, what does that look like for you guys holding that space and keeping things cool, calm, collected, successful, helpful? Like, how do you do that? Well, I mean, I go back to, are you talking about in the actual intervention? Mm-hmm. During the process? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. I, remember, uh, I remember an intervention I did years ago, you know, uh, that would have went incredibly much better if Aaron <laughs> were with me, but I was solo. Um, first thing I did was, my inexperience, uh, I invited, you know, the whole crew, which was like 45 people. <laughs> The whole family, and, you know, it's one hell of a Reunion. job. It's it's one hell of a job to hide oh forty five cars, man. I mean, yeah. A bit ridiculous, man. You know, so what the hell's going on? I, you know, and this was this was a this was a friend of mine. That it just was, gives me anxiety to think about. It was his, it was his younger brother, and it was literally like fifty people there. It was so crazy, and I just walked into like this massive party. You know what I mean? And there was no alcohol there. You know, for good reason. But you know, joking aside, I walked in. You know, to set this up and I'm like what did I do you know there was a stack man of freaking letters you know love letters and you know non-judgmental letters that were going out I was like we ain't gonna get to read all these (laughs) I'm starting to self-doubt myself you know I'm like what did I do what did I do but I was inexperienced Mm -hmm. anyway I get with my buddy the whole thing was set up pretty cool so they were gonna he was gonna run his you know they worked for Toyota and uh, he was the GM and his brother, the, the guy that we were, you know, there for, um, he was, you know, parts guy. And he was a really brilliant guy, huge, huge man. And I'll say that in a minute. But <laughs> so he, you know, the deal was he had to come back to the house to get a bunch of, you know, parts. So this was definitely a surprise intervention. He had no idea this was going on. Uh, background, he was strictly a drinking guy. Broke his back in an ATV accident, opioids. We know mm-hmm. the rest of the story. It's very common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he comes walking in the house, right? And he's sweating profusely, which indicates, you know, he's doped up like right now, you know? <laughs> and uh, now there's, mind you, there's 50 people there. I mean, he went straight to me. Mm-hmm. And all he could say was, who the fuck are you? And I'm like, well, and I didn't know what else to say except, well, this is an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> I was frozen, man. You know, now all of a sudden I was able to really drop into this place. And all of a sudden the intervention shrunk mm-hmm. to about seven of us. His brother, his wife, well, they were separated at the, at the time because of the, you know, the disease. And it was his daughter and three sons. And I believe it was his father or his, I think it was his father. So we're sitting in the kitchen now. There's, you know, ballpark out there of people, you know, <laughs> and they're just getting on with their lives, you know. It was this going to take, you know, how long, you know. But 
what was cool about this, this is the chaos. (laughs) This is it. So I took them in and I was able to really break it down, knowing that I had made the huge mistake. So we get in the kitchen and the guy is like slamming things. And man, he was huge. He's like six, eight, man. I'm thinking I'm done for, you know, because he was really angry. Anyway, we were able to keep it calm, keep it calm, keep it calm. And he just kept running out the door. And I just said, stay, please. Let him do his thing. He ain't got nowhere to go. I mean, this was way up in the mountains and stuff. So he wasn't he wasn't walking away from the house, which is always a good thing to think about too. Yeah. All strategy. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and um, so he come back in and, you know, very angry, but a little less resistant. Well, what do you suggest? F this, F that, F this. Out the door he goes. So I had coached the brother, you know, the brother didn't want him to go because his brother was really good at what he did. But I told him, I said, listen, man, at some point you might have to tell him that the job is done. You ain't got a job to do anymore. Well, I don't want to fire my brother. I go, yet you're giving him all this money, man. What do you, where do you think he's getting his dope from? You know, you're giving him access because you're giving him great money to work with. So brother comes back in. He's like, you know, we're going to do this. Boom. He really flips out, goes back out, comes back in ready to do this. Now this is over about a four hour period. Well, the daughter's really getting activated. You know, yeah. she's like 13 years old. Dang, you know, it's tough. It was probably the fourth time that he threw the fit, went out the door. And the daughter looked at me and she goes, can I please go talk to my dad? And I said, yes. And it was after that fourth time that I felt maybe this was a chance. Yeah. And he walked Let him in. burn off some steam. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He walked the in, man. Fall. Yeah. And it was just little by little. Every time he went out and came back in, it was a little bit more. And at that moment, I thought, daughter's got a chance to get to him now. Yeah. Daughter walked in. They were out there for about 35, 40 minutes. He came back in. She was crying. He was crying. Mm-hmm. He looked at me. He broke down. He goes, when are we leaving? Wow. And it was so cool, man. It yeah. was like, wow, that just happened. Wow. And it was all because of the daughter. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was totally, it started off really bad. Yeah. But it was one of those that ended, you know, I mean, most of the people started to clear out. Every time he bailed out, I would tell him, you know, I'd go out and I said, if you guys want to leave, you can start leaving right now. You know, we got this and thank you for coming. I think yeah. that's a good example of of we the question of how do we maintain how do we mm-hmm. regulate that was it right there for yeah, me it was it was yeah. his yeah. gut yeah. like you there is some intuition and yeah. because we can feel people yep. and 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 we can't plan for anything and right. so we have to be very much present in our own bodies yep. and having done our own work so that we are able to feel and read a room yep. and then trust our intuition and um if we're not regulated, yeah. if we join, oh, then yeah. we can't trust. We're not in a place to even hear ourselves. Yep. So, like, it's it's important. And it doesn't, you know, it's hard. I haven't always been able to stay regulated. There's some funny yeah, I, stories about me not staying regulated <laughs> 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 that we'll talk about off camera. But, uh-huh. but yeah, it's a, there's, there's a, um, you know, we mirror neuron yeah. each other. Yeah. So if if we get anxious, if we start talking fast, if we have pressured speech or louder voices, it's going to affect everybody in the room. Right. So it's there's a there's a body language component for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say I would say that uh, being able to be present and pay attention to body language of everyone else in the room and then adjust to that like take the break Mm -hmm. um remove the one that the one person and pull them aside you know um 
And a lot of that I think is preventable if you're doing an intervention the right way. And like we discussed, we're vetting out who should be there and who shouldn't. And we actually won't, we, we don't care if dad's paying for it. If we really think he's going to blow it up, we won't invite him. And if that ends the intervention, it ends the intervention, but we're not willing to risk the safety of other people. So if you kind of are doing your work and, and we prepare everybody well, Mm -hmm. and they know, what's going to happen and to let, to follow our lead um, and kind of what the rules are. It isn't a back and forth engagement. That's not how this goes. Yeah. Then we can contain the environment Yeah. and hopefully never get to that. You know? Yeah. Beautiful. And I think uh, it's a perfect segue into concluding this. What I would ask and what we often ask, what is it that really drives you both to do that work? For me, I, I think that what I realized is that I've always been doing interventions, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially in, in my clinical work. You know, everything is an intervention. And, and it, 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 whether it was chemical dependency or mental health, anytime you are intervening on behalf of somebody in, with a family member, within a couple, you know, so, so I was always kind of doing this work. And then when I entered into the chemical dependency field and joined with Anthony, mm-hmm. you know, I would, I would be sitting there on a weekend working with a family and a client. He, he's like, you're doing an intervention. You mm. need to be charging for your services. I'm <laughs> like, no, 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 no. It's just my client. But she was doing the placement. She was <laughs> doing six hours of, of, of counseling on the phone and she was doing a full, full blown intervention. You know, it just wasn't the definition of what we see. Mm-hmm. You know, I just hadn't absolutely. put a frame around it. So it mm. goes back to what we, you know, we talked about earlier about why we do what we do. You know, it's, 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 how you help people, you know, when people need help and it happens to be in the form of an intervention, it's just another way that we help people. Another way that we have, we have the skills to, uh, join in and, and help other human beings, you know, find, find a path and be happy. And Mm -hmm. so I, I just love being able to, and as a parent or a partner, you know, somebody who's, who's, had a loved one suffer from mental health and chemical dependency, you know, um, I, I didn't have that support. So that kind of leads, lends to what you were saying. You were mm-hmm. alone. I didn't have that support. And had I had the knowledge and some support, things would have gone a lot differently. Sure. So we use what we use, what we have to help other people. Right. I honestly believe that there's so many interventionists that, you know, are counselors, case managers, you know, they're all out there intervening. They're trying to stop the trend of dying, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what's happening out there. You know, first the spirit, then the body, you know, and in the last few years, we have seen record numbers, you know, fentanyl's here, you know, and I think the scary thing is, is that, you know, five, six years ago before fentanyl really kicked in, we were seeing record numbers because of heroin. Now it's fentanyl. There's, <clears throat> you still have the meth has become, you know, it's never went away, but well, it's now on the rise now. again. Mm-hmm. You're seeing things with marijuana. But the things that take us out, they damage the family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the quicker that the family is, is introduced to not being alone in this. And I think why we do it, what we love about it, and why we will continue to do it is because 
we're giving people hope. We, um, we get a chance to meet some beautiful people. Mm-hmm. And I am talking directly about the ones that, you know, decide to go into treatment. Um, what we're able to connect with the family, it's all the way around. They're teaching us. Mm-hmm. We're teaching them. We're, con- we're connecting and we're, um, we're putting it up, up an obstacle ourselves from somebody else succumbing to this and um, another family being ruined. And it's rampant in this country, really, really bad in this country. The more that we have to do it, mm-hmm. the better chance we have of being successful and you know, taking care of being part of putting somebody in a treatment. You know, it's a wonderful feeling. And it's heartbreaking at the same time. Mm-hmm. Even when it's successful, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Because to get there, a lot of pain. Even when it's successful, it can hurt like hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you both so much for sitting down and, and breaking down interventions with us. Thank you. I think yeah. um, I think what you guys do is special. It, it fires me up for all like the amazing interventionists mm-hmm. out there. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what I love about what you guys do the most is like pairing therapy with substance use work. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a, an absolutely amazing combo. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just really appreciate you guys diving into it. Thank you so uh, much. I really yeah. appreciate you both. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah.